1: Welcome to History in Technicolor, with me, Wolf O'Neill, and you, David Crowver. Isn't it called The History in Technicolor? <laughs> Look, be quiet. <laughs> okay. So here we are on another adventure with us. Indeed. Two men in a shed. It is an adventure, isn't it? We never know where we're going to go. What well, I, ju- I hope we do, because we plan this. <laughs> that is true. That's a one. And in fact, in this one, we've done it before. So. Yes. Go. Okay. So, the film that I've selected today is Selma, the 2014 Gen- film. It chronicles the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. During the campaign to secure equal voting rights, which culminated in the march from Selma to Montgomery in Alabama, and President Johnson signing the voting rights bill in 1965. Excellent. So you always say something. Why uh, have why I selected...
0: Uh, why did we never remember this? Hey, Wolf, why did you select this movie today? Wow, David, thank you for asking. Don't mention it. More than a couple of times.
1: Uh, I've selected this because the film was very well received, and I sadly missed it upon its release. So I'd always wanted to make amends for this. It has a stellar cast, full of extraordinary actors working at every level, and is directed by Ava DuVernay, who became the first black woman to ever be nominated for the Best Director Award at the Golden Globes. Which is frankly shocking, but there you go. Why, well, wasn't she very good? No, but, no, because she's good, but... Being the, funny. Oh, I see. You... You just can't laugh about this kind of thing, <laughs> sorry, David. Sorry, sorry, pardon me, pardon me. You're right, you say so right. Then, from a history perspective, I wanted to turn our attention. <laughs> that's David whipping himself <laughs> with a birch twig, I assume. Indeed. He's not naked, fortunately no, yeah. for me. Which is a good thing, yeah. Um, I wanted to turn our attention to civil rights. Mm-hmm. We haven't really looked at it before. We're trying to examine all different aspects of history from all over the world. And the civil rights movement in America is one of the most important and continually vital and relevant moments of history in the 20th century. Yeah. That's a okay. good reason. That's not a bad
0: reason to be studying a film, is it?
1: Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's no. good. Yeah. So a quick little yeah. bit of prehistory. Okay. Uh, in 1964, the Civil Rights Act was finally passed, legally desegregating the South and outlawing discrimination based on race, colour, religion, sex, or national origin. This came about as a result of the nonviolent direct action in Birmingham, Alabama, which was led by Dr. King and other members of the Southern Christian leadership. Despite this act, racial segregation continued to be enforced via the Jim Crow laws, which mandated that racial segregation in all public facilities in the former Confederate states. So when you say Jim Crow laws,
0: so are you f- they film, were they laws specifically introduced by... A man named Jim Crow. man named Jim, Jim Crow, yeah. yeah. So and when were they introduced? I mean, are they contemporary with this action sort of thing as a response to this movement? So, or were they traditional laws that are being created back in the days of slavery when
1: and never been... So included? they came after the Civil War. Okay. Because they're in former Confederate states. Okay. So they're specifically created right. to force racial segregation in public facilities. Okay. And they were in effect. Then the Civil Rights Act was passed, but they continued to exist. Right. On kind of a state level. Cool. As far as I know. The result of this was that in many areas, African-Americans were essentially prohibited from registering to vote, removing their voices and suppressing them. So in Selma, which is in Dallas County, African-Americans made up more than half of the population, but had only 2% of the registered voters. Now, this was not because they didn't want to vote. They were trying by the hundreds and thousands to vote, as is shown in the film. And they just simply weren't allowed. So they they had to, you know, the tests that they had yeah. to do at the start. They have to go through all of these tests, and even if you passed all of the tests, which were very hard, way harder than anyone who was an American, American citizen was expected to know, they still were often declined. Yeah, for it's various quite interesting. That's
0: quite a good scene, isn't it, in the film where uh, she goes in and she yeah. answers all the questions, and yet he, he still. And denies then he gives
1: her, her more questions, which yeah. aren't she's not prepared for because they're. He's just had to make something up on the spot to stop her.
0: And it's it's good because it's quite a very simple way of understanding, you know, the day-to-day f- banality of the frustration of not being able to get the right to vote. You know, these things are always, quite rightly, build up as a as these big, you know, heroic, massive things. One of the nice things about the film was that it shows you the day-to-day banality of it all. You know, the frustration of going in and not being able to receive what is rightfully yours. And
1: it's really important to reinforce the kind of institutional racism and mm. suppression that's happening because this man is not saying horrible things to her necessarily yeah. he isn't using the language we might initially yeah. associate with such a traumatic experience yeah. he's simply using the power that he has in his job yeah. to to prevent this person yeah. from achieving any rights
0: and that's what right and that's I think I mean by the banality of it all it's very day to day isn't it it's just you know it's
1: and, but then constant the- there the heroic nature of what's happening is we already know that she's done this multiple times and she keeps getting rejected. It's going to continue to happen and yet despite what she's facing, she will return home and she will study again more than she ever has any right to have to do. She shouldn't have to do that. She's going to study more and she's going to return again to try and do it. It's very impressive. So just to finish off, in Selma, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee had struggled tirelessly to register black voters in the county seat until Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. arrived, backed by the Southern Christian leadership, and they joined the cause, which led to the events of the film. Very good. Shall I ask you a question now? Uh, yes. What did this get in Metacritic? What's us called? So I'm going... to scale of 1 to 100. I think before, I guessed... With a 100 being good. Because right. we are repeating this episode. Yes. I think I guessed 90, so I'm going to go with that again. 88. It's not bad. Oh, okay. And actually, for... Rotten Tomatoes, it gets ninety nine percent. Right, that okay. That was the one I was confusing you with. Yeah, it's it's yes, very very, very it's accurate, a good response. And very highly praised. Mm. So uh, I think first and foremost, when it comes to this film, it's worth talking about how incredible the cast is. At least for me, that truly exceptional uh, and a delight to watch. Did you have any particular performances or characters that you really liked, David?
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the obvious. Unfortunately, I'm gonna go for David Iron Lowe. L- 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 so yes. I'm sorry about that. You mocked me last time. I stopped talking about it last time. Um, just to explain everybody, we recorded it on the wrong mic. It sounded like a pile of poo, so we thought we'd have to do it again. Well, so you say we, but it was you. Mm. So Wolf <laughs> forgot to remind me to change the microphone, so we've had to do it all again. So that's why we keep saying we've done it before. Um Continue. Yeah, so uh, David o. Lowe I thought, was very good, because I liked in particular that he made the speeches sing. You know, for me, that was when the movie really got going, actually, uh, where he got a motive. Um, did, did, but... did
1: you feel like you were watching an actor act? No,
0: I thought that was a great thing about him. That, and actually, one of the, if, funnily enough, I'm not sure I said this now, but um, funnily enough, one of the problems of the film, not problems of the film, but because it was done at a very practical, straightforward, unhysterical level. Correspondingly, I never quite got that emotionally involved with it you know when you're watching something which is quite outrageous really um you know you expect to get more emotionally involved than i personally did and therefore the reason i picked pick david is that those speeches bit is where you get quite a lot of emotion because you get that you know that fantastic response from the crowd it's a you know it's almost like it's a bit of theater rather than just a speech because you've got it's two-way um because of that tradition uh of that christian tradition so uh, I thought that was the bit where I felt most uh, emotional, emotionally
1: engaged. Interesting. That I'm go- I've jotted down a question. Okay. I'm gonna ask you that to follow up in a little bit. But I just want to finish with the 42. with the cast. Okay. That's your answer, okay? You, that is mine. Thank you, Douglas Adams. There are for me, there are too many there are too many highlights in right. the film. Lakeith Stanfield is becoming a really prominent actor at the moment. He plays Jimmy Lee Jackson. Uh, which is quite a small role in the film, mm. but he absolutely nails it and has a great presence. Uh, Wendell Pierce is probably my favourite, but that's just because I really like him as an right. actor. He's from The Wire, mm. uh, so he's an absolute delight in everything. Uh, you have the, the welcome appearance of Tessa Thompson. Andre Holland and Coleman Domingo provide great support as Young and Abernathy. And Stephen James, who was most recently in If Beale Street Could Talk, gives, from my money, maybe the the best performance, at least after... David Oyelowo, as John Lewis, who is the leader of the kind of student voting rights committee who then leads the march across the bridge. And he has a really interesting character arc because him and his colleague don't initially want the assistance of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the others because they believe that if they work hard enough, they can achieve what they want to do on their own. And they're worried this is going to bring problems to the community. But over time, they realise they have to adjust... Their viewpoints and their understandings about how they're going to achieve civil rights and work with this cause, and he then leads this march into certain danger. Mm. And I think, and his journey throughout is, is fascinating. Yes, I mean, I think
0: that's quite, again, a very good thing about the film is that you get that interplay of the local, and it's not a, it's not an A versus B film. Although it is to a, to a degree an A versus B movie. It's a, there's an A, and they've got these problems with B, and then C thinks thinks that, and D really should be doing that. You know, it's it doesn't feel like a set piece designed to hammer one message in a way. It wants to show you more under the bonnet of how things went on.
1: And isn't it interesting how our last one was Henry V, mm-hmm. this national hero, this icon. Dr. Martin Luther King, in, in many ways, is as prominent a yeah. figure. But throughout this film, there's a lot more opposition to him from his own side, from Malcolm X, from other people who have different views on how they're going to achieve their rights, as well as conflictions within himself. It's a more... Maybe even a a more balanced, less nationalistic
0: depiction. I I think that's true, although I'm going to say two things. Yes. One is uh, Henry V was uh, a monarch. So you didn't say... Mm, Henry, really, you're wrong on this one. We're going to do this because mm, you had your head chopped off. Uh, Well, I exaggerate for fake. And secondly, at the beginning of Henry V, you do get the fact that he kills his uncle, Richard of Cambridge, for treason. Yes. So there's a little bit of because. But you understand my point. I understand your point, exactly. Um, And totally agree. That's the wonder of the film, is that you understand the currents and the points of difference going on.
1: And it would be very easy to rely on... Dr King's speeches yeah. and make this a very patriotic inspiring film yeah. in that sense and it really doesn't seem to go in that direction it's no, a little bit more subdued
0: and balanced yeah I, I agree it's fun- It's more
1: functional and as I say it's not hysterical you don't so while we just quickly round off the cast for me the slightly two weaker characters are the performances by Tom Wilkinson and Tim Roth mm-hmm. where they for, for me are a little bit more I guess less developed more caricature perhaps yeah. I wasn't a big fan of Tim Roth. I know you weren't a big fan of Tom Wilkinson. I was. Uh, I didn't understand it. Why have you got an English act? Why have
0: you got so many English actors? I've never known who Tim Roth is actually, because he gets quite a lot of dislike on the line, in which I spend far too much time. Uh, oh, Tim Roth's really boring. Oh, he's had a personality bypass, that sort of thing. Uh, no, just he's so he's really, he's really good
1: in in Tarantino's films. So he's really good in Reservoir right. Dogs, Pop Fiction. He's really good in Rob Roy. Rob Roy. People keep talking about yes. Rob Roy. i
0: have got to say this meme. I'm sure I saw it he's when the, I was a lad. The, but how old is he's he? He's the me? horrific,
1: brutal nemesis right. okay. of Liam Neeson's Rob Roy. Ah,
0: this is a more recent Rob Roy because I think the Rob Roy I saw they had long hair and moustaches. Know, they, they it do. Seventies. The oh, okay. So this is a, this is probably a nineties movie. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't have been watching Rob Roy in the nineties. Um, anyway, back to Selma. Um, so yes, Tom Wilkin, Wilkinsha, Tom Wilkinshaw What? Wilkinson? What is his name? Tom Wilkinson. As in, right. Uh, Tom Wilkinson. I'm really not sure why they picked him. Why do you need an Englishman to do LBJ? But anyway, but you always felt he was doing an American accent. Because there is. Have you ever watched House? Yes. He does the same thing. The Brits, when they can't really do an American accent, do this kind of fake... American accent, which is exactly the same. Could you do an impression? I David? was just about to do an impression, then I realised what a mistake that would be. Um, so they have this side of an accent, which is kind of identical, and it's just you know, it's just rubbish. So you you spend your whole time thinking, oh, you didn't quite get that, did you, Tom? I mean, it's like watching Mel Gibson, you know. Um, and I did not I don't think he nailed it, and I think that the accent got in the way, and he was a bit unconvincing.
1: Okay, which is interesting because I'm guessing you don't have a particularly. Solidified vision of Linda LBJ, B. Johnson. No, but I just
0: think you d- didn't feel that this. It's not that he didn't depict LBJ, although there's some controversy about that, as I understand it. It's just he says she didn't think this is a real character, and I, I love Tom Wilkinson. I mean, I love Tom Wilkinson. I would marry Tom Wilkinson if he had my vote because of the Mulfonti. Because of the Mulfonti, yeah. I mean, you know, he's a bloody genius, but he. In this case, looking
1: for some hard stuff, baby, this evening. You've watched it now, have you? Well, I'm aware of the song. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad that rendition was absolutely perfect. It was superb. Can we get back to Selma? Now, put your pants back on, David. (laughs) One line of that song and the strip's begun. (laughs) Let's get back to Selma. Come on. So, just to finish up, this is maybe the film where we shouldn't be doing this, but. For me, the heart of the film is the pairing of David Oyelowo and Kamini Jogo as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta King. Mm. It's their personal and spiritual struggles that ground us and guide us through the story. And because there's so many characters involved, a lot of them have to be... uh, Caricatures is is maybe... uh, too negative, mm. but they they can't be as oh as developed as you would like them to be because there's so many people involved, mm. so they're just going to be depict the real people and do what they need to in the history of the events. Yeah. Whereas with these characters, we actually get to see their their inner workings a little bit more and they're developed and rounded out. So it's for me, it's really interesting to see their quieter tribulations complement the shocking bursts of violence during the historic marches. It's not really a documentary as a film. Obviously, that's clear. But it is very, very accurate and heavily researched. And can at times feel maybe like a kind of a by-the-book representation. Yeah. Done very well, admittedly. But it's moving through an event, giving you all the key points so you have all the information till you reach the, the end. Yeah. Did you feel... Was it painful to watch? Did you feel outraged or
0: upset? So that's the thing I was saying earlier, that um, also you know the answer. You know, you kind of know what happens and therefore you know that these people are going through this pain and that there is a positive outcome at the end of it. Whereas, of course, they didn't. Um, so there's always that problem of hindsight, which probably puts a, um, a skein between you and the, the emotion of it. Um, I thought there was a real sense of tension and drama. So I think... You know, although I'm saying it's kind of felt for me non hysterical in a way I never got as emotionally engaged as I expected to in it, um, there is a real sense of tension and drama in it. You know, you you are seeing, uh, you are dragged pulled into it. Um, and there's there's very realistic. So although you say it's not documentary and clearly isn't. it does feel quite documentary. You do feel yeah. as though you're going from A to B to C. I
1: raised it because there are some similarities, which yeah. is what I thought it was worth.
0: Addressing. So, and with that, you do get a sense that you're seeing something which is true and you're getting a sense of realism. But, as I said before, it's just that there's a bit of emotion that's not there
1: that I would have expected to be there with
0: such a subject.
1: Interesting. Do you think that it's a logical decision to try and not just go for this really emotive trigger? Well, because
0: it feels... I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because... um, I mean, there's a broader discussion here about... I was having an argument with somebody recently about whether people should apologise for events in history. And actually, it seems to me... I'll try and make this relevant. There are some things which I think you can draw a straight line from yesteryear to today. So I think it's perfectly reasonable for Britain to be apologising for the for the Great Famine in Ireland, for example. Um, but... The trouble with all of that is that what you do is turn an act of history into an emotional right right and wrong. And of course, there are moral rights and wrongs in this. But the the danger is that what you do is generate a lot of heat, a lot of defensiveness. um, You open a lot of reopen, a lot of painful wounds when actually what you need to do is forgive and not quite forget, but move on. So there is a, a cost, it seems to me, in making films which are very emotional about, hey, there was this terrible wrong and we we overturned it. There's a great right in that too because these are very brave people who did amazing things. But there is a cost. Am I making any sense whatsoever? I'm not sure I'm answering, answering a
1: question. Actually. I think I think you are making sense. Maybe I disagree slightly, mm-hmm. at least in terms of disrespect because it's such a prevalent and current yeah. issue we aren't past it no and it's not been resolved so to it staggers me how recent the events yeah. of this film actually are yeah so when it finishes and there's no thinking oh i'm glad that was resolved it's not resolved mm. and thus i think it's still very current yeah so that has i think that is very much my point actually that then
0: in a situation where you've got a great injustice or if you've got difficult issues you need to deal with, how helpful is it to generate a lot of heat? And how much more useful is it to generate a lot of light? So, from this film, you can understand that there are real personalities involved with real problems, there are real tactics involved. And it has to be said that the, the opponents of, you know, the people Martin Luther King is going up against are never presented in a positive light. You know, there's no complexity about, oh, they've got personal problems, this, that, and the other. You know, it, it, they are straightforward, a bit of a cardboard cutout. These people are trying to prevent right and justice. Um, my point is that it's quite, a, it seems to me to be a very, very brave and sensible act to make a film like this, which does take some of the emotion out of it. Because as you say, you're in a current situation which hasn't been fully resolved yet. Um, so what value is there in creating a lot of heat? And therefore, because he gets in the way of a proper mature discussion about, well, what are the rights and the wrongs here and what should or should we not be doing about it?
1: I think it is a relatively balanced depiction of mm. the events. I think as we approach this, and we'll come on to this in a second, Dr. Martin Luther King is shown to be flawed and he is explored and examined. And I think that the role between Linda B. Johnson and him and their involvement and how the bill is passed is addressed to some extent. So there is shown to be some collaboration between the president and Dr. Mm-hmm. King and how that works. There's some antagonism too, but it's not completely ignored. Yeah. And they do develop quite a lot. I think what we've got is if you want to tell the history of this event, yeah, you need to be faithful to the event. And that's what they do. Yeah. And you can't maybe have the emotional impact you would want to have if you were making an original story. Yeah.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, That's a good point, actually, the difference between something which is clearly looking at a series of real events and something which is entirely fictional. Um, Because
1: that's something we come up across quite a lot in all these films we look at. Yes, true. The times when sometimes the film has to deviate from history in order to make the emotional impact that the filmmakers, or the political impact, that the filmmakers want to have. Yeah. Because the constraints of the actual events prevent them from doing it. Yeah. And... Often you can tell when a film is trying to be more original than historical because that's its goal. Yeah,
0: indeed. I think that's right. That's right. And this one is very historical. It is very historical. And I think that's I think there's a big value in that. Um it was interesting what you, yes, you were just saying about the strategic nature of what they're doing. That was one of the most interesting things in the film for me, actually, which is kind of feels a bit cold. But um the fact that you kind of think about these events in terms of, you know, a A historic struggle against truth, justice, light—you know, blah blah. Uh, blah—and in actual fact, what it also was. I mean, what kind of was that? But it was also a very practical series of decisions, and they fascinating. There, Martin Luther King refers to a previous event where the governor had handled it in a very clever way by not being violent, by arresting people in a very humane, unviolent way and that that was a problem for him, because then they hadn't been able to get the media reaction they wanted, uh, and therefore they picked this area because the governor they knew was going to react in a very violent way, or the police chief. Um, so that tactical interplay thing, and as you say, the, the local student association didn't really want this to happen here, and how they changed, that was all really interesting.
1: And it's really important to... Well, it's really interesting to examine how this is happening all over the South, in particular the rest of the country as well to some extent. But until people are being beaten in the streets yeah. and filmed, so it can be sent to you in your television set at home, you're unaware of it.
0: Yeah,
1: That certain sense of um, turning a blind eye, yeah. the president seems to be doing that. Lots of people seem to know that this is happening, but it's not their number one priority, so yeah. they're going to ignore it. Whereas for these people, it's an everyday struggle. Yeah, And they have to strategically work out how they can get help, how they can alert people so that people will respond to them, and support them.
0: Yeah, indeed. It's a, they are, it's, a, a, it's a battle, it's a war that has to be planned in the same way. How did you feel about the film's portrayal of Dr Martin Luther King? I know we've addressed it. I thought it was really good. I mean, I, uh, he came across as a real person. Uh, you saw his talent as well, you know, his communication skills. Um, you saw that there was the thing I went slightly wrong on about um, whether he'd had an affair or not. Because when I watched it, he's being bugged by the FBI. I don't know if we're moving on to the wrong bit, but he, um, you know, I thought that was a setup and that he hadn't actually had an affair. But you think that actually he had had an affair, so I got that wrong. But um, you know, that worked its way naturally into the into the movie, and you kind of
1: judged him accordingly, I think. But even even slightly, okay. If we take that out, let's say, because we're going to quibble over it a little yeah. bit. Do you feel that he has shown... I wouldn't argue with you, Wolf. Okay. <laughs> do, do you feel that he has shown to have disagreements within himself about how he needs to carry, how he needs to lead, how he needs to inspire, guilt that he's dealing with? For example, there's the scene, he doesn't lead the initial march. Mm. Remember, he goes home to deal with his family problems yeah. and to go to his church. And then they all get attacked on the bridge. Mm. This is a real struggle for him to know what to do, how to lead it. How to manage himself and and reconcile his yes, own you issues.
0: Don't, you don't get the feeling that this is a person of absolute certainty. He was kind of a a god who just knew exactly what was going to he was going to do, and this is the way he did it. He came across as a real character. But on the other hand, I didn't get any great feelings of you know personal laceration. So the bit at the bridge where he turned round, turns round, he's very clear about why, and actually he's not he's not agonising about why. He's saying. Look, I don't want people to get killed, and in that situation I thought they would do, so I turned back. Get over it. That was the impression I got. Yeah. You know, I didn't get the impression that he was thinking, Oh, this is terrible. I don't you know, he came across as a decisive kind of man. He knew what he wanted to achieve.
1: Yeah, I think he has to be decisive. I think I just mean that I can see enough suggestions that it's not all perfectly planned out and yeah. easy for him to do this. Absolutely. There's the scenes where he has to Remember the scene where they're standing there and they're watching the police Uh, assault that older woman drag her to the floor and he's trying to maintain his composure yeah and he can't break from his line to run over and help he's trying to Mm. maintain his composure because he needs to let this happen yeah in order for awareness to be raised and that goes against everything that he wants to do as a human being and as an individual Mm. but he's committed to his direction and he has to go through with that his arguments with Malcolm X yeah are significant and important. Yeah. The divide in the...
0: Yeah. In the movement. The camp indeed.
1: And the, of course,
0: the debate with, um you know, LBJ about what they should be doing and what their role is together.
1: Are we talking about historical accuracy? Are we moving out into the... um Historical accuracy. So I think to begin with, it should be made clear that this is overall very accurate, thoroughly researched. There are a few key talking points which we'll come to. With the truths, which I kind of go through quickly. Jimmy Lee Jackson was murdered by state troopers in the nearby town of Marion, while trying to protect his family from being clubbed. He didn't die at the scene, died a few days later in hospital, but that's quibbling over something yeah. inconsequential. The impact that that scene has is very powerful mm-hmm. and important. I think it's a right decision to make that adjustment. The man from Boston, James Reeb, who was a minister and a pastor, he was savagely beaten to death by white segregationists. Uh, a Interesting fact, no one was ever convicted for this crime. The four men that were indicted as suspects were all acquitted by an all-white jury. Right. And even if the evidence found now proves their guilt, because they of the way the court case went, right. and the fact that a number of them have died now, they can never be recharged. Governor Wallace did order state troopers to use whatever means necessary to prevent a march, and the attacks on the Edmund Pettus Bridge are hauntingly realised. The TV cameras caught it all in the footage was sent to New York, Mm. distributed that night as breaking news, and streamed to 50 million Americans, which did galvanise support and awareness. Interestingly, the Edmund Pettus Bridge is named after a Confederate general and a once-time Grand Dragon of the Alabama KKK. Uh, Good Lord. So that's being... The bridge is now remembered for something new, something
0: positive. It's still called the Edmund Pettus Bridge, is it? Yeah.
1: I think they're not going to change the name because... It's, it's important that they're... Else, yeah.
0: Yeah. And also that connection actually makes it even more real. Actually. Also, it's a, it's a mark against him, really, Yeah.
1: that he was the person he was, and now yeah. his bridge is remembered yeah. for this. Yeah, uh, J. Edgar Hoover is presented fairly ruthlessly in the film, but I think that's mm, relatively right. accurate, at least in this setting. Uh, he was racist and seemed actively determined to take down Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He supposedly went to great lengths to establish a communist connection, because obviously that would have allowed right. them to really attack with much more force. Uh, he wanted to neutralize Dr. King. And this included monitoring him, recording his calls, sending incriminating tapes to Coretta, calling her, which is all the stuff that we see in the film. The mm. The text from the actual FBI monitoring yeah. is produced on the screen quite a lot. Uh, and the cherry on the top of it all, oh, really, which is quite petty, is that after Dr. King had, was assassinated his birthday was proposed to be made a national holiday Mm. and he forcibly tried to have this prevented and stopped. He was a man who cared so little about him that he really thought he didn't deserve any recognition for what he'd achieved. Right. Um, And then we get on to the main point here which is really the the key argument against the film and this is how President Lyndon B. Johnson is depicted Mm. and how his involvement in the acts is shown and his relationship with Dr. King. So... President Johnson's assistant, Joseph Califano Jr., alleges that Johnson and King were partners and that Johnson was enthusiastic about voting rights and major demonstrations. But this goes against the kind of general depictions, especially shown in the film. Then LBJ's historian, Mark uh, Updegrove, believes the film also mischaracterizes the president, arguing that based off of recorded phone calls from 1965, Johnson was far more cooperative and even came up with some of the suggestions about their course of action. Which is interesting, right? Yeah, because that's definitely not shown in the film. No, definitely not. Then, no. but then, contrastingly, Eric Goldman, who's a special consultant to Johnson, wrote in 1969 that and this is a quote: "He was no great admirer of Dr. Martin Luther King, among other reasons, because he questioned how well his judgment would hold up over the long haul. He also wasn't enthusiastic about mass demonstrations. To a man of his mind, the African Americans would do themselves more good working on their politicians for more beneficial legislation than holding demonstrations."
0: Right. So, where is the truth? I mean, you can see why they took this line in a way, can't you, in the film? That if you've got this alternative hero, does it detract from your main character? Or I mean, so if you've got two alternative historical lines available, dramatically, you might find that one is the best approach to
1: take. I mean, obviously, you don't want to be untruthful, but if you know that's a current line of thought, so yeah. Ava DuVernay has been open about this, yes, and. Is clear that she has slightly reduced the role the presence of Johnson in the film right. and reduced his role in leading to the passing yeah. of the voting rights bill. But not inaccurately. She's simply decided that the world doesn't need another white saviour, mm. especially in this film. Right. Okay. And that the That's focus needs to be on the people in the story. Mm. Because there's actually quite a lot of focus given to everybody else other than Dr. King himself. Yeah. It's the people in Selma and their march, and how that changes the yes, world. Yes, it's got to
0: be said. This doesn't feel like a thing. I've said this. It doesn't feel like a film about Martin Luther King. It feels like a movement, like a film about Selma and how it came about and the people who were
1: involved. He just happens to be the most significant Indeed. person. So it does address their relationship, but she was like, the film is not about Johnson. So yeah. he's always has to be a supporting character, and thus he cannot be as fully developed and rounded as some of the others. Yeah. So, she believes, and this is a general consensus from these points of view that we've been looking at, that he was a reluctant hero,
0: right? Rather than this who pulls through, which is well, what you get in the film, isn't it? You always feel that he's being slightly disingenuous. He doesn't want to say, "Look, just go off. I've got other things to think about, and can't be really bother about this right now?" But you know, it's kind of the impression you get that he's his heart isn't really it.
1: I think it's totally believable and realistic and likely that although he he has some decent parts to his personality Mm. and his character, the main reason that he's not trying to push this through, Mm. like he says in the film, is because he wants to achieve a lot in his presidency. He needs the votes from the Southern Bloc and those Southern states to pass a lot of his... you know, I think he's got a green bill and a bunch of other bills. If he causes all this commotion early on, he's never going to be able to have a legacy that he wants to be remembered for and pass all these changes that he wants to implement. So he is strategically planning to delay the yeah. voting rights bill until he's passed a bunch of other bills and everybody likes him, and then he you know, puts his foot yeah. down and makes them do what he wants. Obviously, Dr. King says, we can't do this. We need to act now. Yeah. This is too important. And Johnson kind of disagrees and, yeah. and wants to kind of put it on the back burner for as long as possible. This is what DuVernay agreeing with. Yeah. So she's saying that he's a reluctant... He's, you know, a yeah. reluctant hero dragged into this by the actions of Dr. Martin Luther King and the others and that we should recognise their actions, appreciate what he did and recognise that he did do something good but not make him the focus. Yeah. I think that's... I yeah, think that's fair yeah. enough, yeah. Yeah. And I
0: mean, I don't know enough for history to argue um, but it doesn't sound like a, an unreasonable decision to make. No,
1: and uh, I looked up this uh, data-based site which is called Information is Beautiful that studies the accuracy of films... Not all of them. Obviously, it was, a, it was a few around the time that the Oscars was on. Yeah, They fact-checked them against sort of every scene versus whether they're true, mostly true, mostly false, false, or it cannot be verified. Yeah. And they scored Selma as having 100%. Oh, God. Because it's only true, mostly right. true, or unknown. Right. As it, And you can see that as it moves through each part and where the accuracy right. is happening... And essentially what they're saying is it's generally very true. Right. You can corroborate everything they do in the film with supportive evidence. Right. And it can at least be, you know, supposed that this is fairly accurate and likely to have been the case. Right. So even though we're having this disagreement, I think... yeah, yeah The it's... facts are, are real. And um,
0: and presumably all the speeches are perfectly accurate.
1: Ah, yes. Yeah. So this leads me on to a really interesting fact that I somehow skipped earlier. So all the dialogue in Dr. King's speeches had to be rewritten by the screenwriter due to copyright issues. So, the King estate licensed the film rights exclusively for these speeches to DreamWorks and Warner Brothers with the purpose of Steven Spielberg making a film. Which he hasn't made. Which he hasn't made yet. So, (laughs) so the real speeches had to be rewritten by the scriptwriter, but so that they still sounded like Dr. Martin Luther King. So they conveyed the same message, tone and voice but by using different words. That's amazing. I'd
0: love to hear some, because obviously I don't know, you know, obviously I know the very famous I Have a Dream speech, but um, I don't know the speeches well enough to know whether they get the tone and the voice right, but it sounds as they've done a very good job because nobody's being up in the arms saying... I was very impressed. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, they to me they sounded fantastic. I've already mentioned them. I think it sounded great. I mean, you clearly can't criticize yeah. them because they literally aren't allowed to use the actual words. Yeah. So well, that is amazing, though, just to get to that point. Um, I mean, how can that be? Surely they're in the public domain because they're on the telly or or not. I mean, I, I, it's, I, I it don't seems know. incredible. And the fact that Steven Spielberg is sitting on the damn things. I mean, these you'd have thought these are publicly important things that the nation ought to own.
1: And the fact that they're being kept from black artists making yeah. this film about this movement just so that Steven Spielberg can get another fat check in the future. It's a bit of, it's a bit of an outrage, isn't it? I think we're outraged in the shed. We're oh, outraged I, in I was, the shed. I was very shocked, but yeah. I was so impressed with the writing yeah. that they were able to do that. And it didn't feel like, you know, fakes. Yeah, no absolutely well certain to me it was very convincing somebody who knew more very convincing. might not be but. And, and what did you feel the, the lasting message of the film was did it give you this impression that everything was resolved
0: in like no, a it negative got the, he, oh, no it gave the impression that a step had been achieved you know a a step on the way had been a battle in the war had been won um, and it was and that it was significant um So yes, and gosh, message of the film? What's the film about? Uh, Kind of question. Message of the movie, I suppose. I mean, it's the obvious one that perseverance is, you know, will get you there in the end, kind of thing. That right, well out, I suppose.
1: I mean, I do think it's it's a fairly straightforward, run-of-the-mill depiction of a series of historical events. And it's focused around that and it just wants to tell that story yeah. because it knows that the facts are more important than anything else. I think that is the uh, They're that is have the thing. impact. So yeah. it's gonna do that. I think interestingly, if you have seen Black Klansman, or even if you haven't, go watch it.
0: Yes, I put that on the list and I'm just gonna say Absolutely
1: yeah, it. my favourite film from last year.
0: Yeah. That's really
1: good. What's really interesting about that film is it takes a it also approaches a historical event, but it chooses to make it very, very present and right. current to now. And that's partly because it bookends the film with scenes where, of an unknown time period. Mm. But also because it's constantly examining kind of the history of the movement and what's been happening and the impact it's having now. And it ends with a good few minutes of modern footage from the last year or two. Right. And it makes you think that everything's done, everything's sorted. This is great. We've defeated the, the bad guys. Yeah. The KKK has been stopped. And then it shows you racist white supremacist activity in America right now Right. in a series of shocking video footage obviously we've seen before as well but it's very powerful it grabs you and it shakes you and it it lets you know that this isn't isn't over and it's it's a very powerful piece of filmmaking and I I highly recommend it and it's just a very different approach to how it wants to convey that that message but it's a very different type of film and that would stand out in a film like this I believe very good. What would you give the film as a rating? Uh, I would give it a seven, Wolf. I would agree. Since you ask me. I put down a seven or an eight. I think it is important to point out, if we've sounded negative, we both really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, I don't mean to sound negative at all. I really enjoyed the movie. It was very convincing.
0: It's the same thing. As I said, there's just a, an edge of emotion that wasn't there for some reason. I
1: thought the film was quite powerful. There were lots of scenes that were, I, I found yeah. personally very hard to watch. It's very impressive technically. The the attack on the Ebon-Pretis bridge, then the build-up, there's a lot of tension, yeah. lots of really good dialogue between the characters mm-hmm. as they... Yeah, the dialogue is very natural do. as well. Maybe, you know, maybe we are. The performances this, are great.
0: Yeah.
1: It's hard, isn't it? Well, I'm not giving it more than seven. I mean, I, I could give it an eight quite comfortably. I think the main thing is, though, that we maybe felt a little bit disconnected from yeah. it. It doesn't try to engage us as much as we would yeah. like. And it presents the facts as they were. So we appreciated and enjoyed it, but it's not lingering. So it a little less
0: than Henry VIII, which we've just recorded. Yeah. I, does I that s- feel about
1: right? I would say. I
0: think I probably, probably got a little less than good. I feel slightly It seems mean, but It does. It feels all wrong that I could be engaged about the Battle of Van Garjinkor fourteen fifteen more than the um, events of Salmon Bridge. But anyway, there you go. But I, I genuinely would recommend it. Would you recommend it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but really, I mean, it's a very enjoyable movie to go and see. It, there is plenty of tension and
1: drama in it, and uh, you know, it's a it's an evening well spent. It's currently on Netflix, so if you're cool. already subscribed, to that it's free. Yeah, uh, I would I would really recommend it. It's very good. Um, Accuracy wise, I was going to say a nine. I'm going to rely on you for that. I, right. I think with all the support we've seen, the, and you can argue about a few little things. It's a nine. Okay. Great. Okay. Anything else we need to say
0: about it then? Or shall we have Wolf and David's roundup? Yep, it's time for a roundup from uh, Henry V. From Henry V. And well, do you know what? With Henry V, we have a new leader on the most popular board. 88% of you who have seen it love this film. And that beats our other 80%ers, The Manless of King George, Battle of Algiers, and The Lion in Winter. I am faintly surprised. But then... I was also faintly surprised at how much I enjoyed the film too, so maybe it all comes together. Kathleen had been, just like me this time around, surprised to be hooked, and I share Kathleen's fascination with Henry V, the man, or machine, as may be a better term. Joy and I then had that argument, traditional argument, about the bard and his comedy skills, or lack of them, And I have a slightly depressed feeling that Joy's going to turn out to be right. At which point the last vestige of my personality will have gone. Some of the reason I think for the Henry V enthusiasm has got to be that speech, of course, does it not? You know the one, we few, we happy few and all that. That was referred to a lot. William had been inspired by it and inspired a team to victory with it. And I don't think you're alone, William. It doesn't do to lose your cool, but it is almost Impossible to avoid a tingle when you say that speech, isn't it? Some of you were also very keen about Kenneth. He got very high ratings, actually, despite the disaster that was his haircut. I was a little bit worried about Fiona and the thin lips thing, but, you know, Catherine was of the same mind in terms of an actor, although thin lips didn't get mentioned, it's got to be said. This led to something of a debate about English actors with a tremendous and absolutely iconic gif of the peerless Brian Blessed from Ben, which I love and look at daily when I get a moment. Patrick just put up a picture of Paul Schofield, which is sufficient, it has to be said. But Sarah mentioned Tom Hiddleston, of course, not in this movie. And there was a really good recent series on the Beeb called The Hollow Crown, a series of, you know, Shakespeare's history plays, which is largely responsible for my conversion to the Bard and his history plays. The name I forgot in the podcast don't know if you remember that I forgot a name but I did, was Ben Whishaw. Ben Whishaw, who in that series did the perfect, the perfect Richard II. Seriously, The Hollow Crown with Ben Whishaw. Watch it if you can. He does a fantastic job. Plus, of course, you get the this precious stone set in a silver sea speech, which is a cracker. So, A lot of love for the bard from everybody, a lot of love for Brenard, and less outrage about the abandonment of dear, dear Larry than I expected. The last word, though, probably needs to go to Lewis, of course, who simply noted, for Wolf's benefit, that it's a good film, you know, but no Crimson Tide. Okay, well done
1: me. and Well done me. Why, well done you? Well, I loved the episode. I was just talking about the roundup. Oh, well, well done for the roundup, and well done me for the episode. Well done you for the episode. Thank, you, thank you for awful.
0: being here, yeah. David. Well, it was, it was, you know, it was good to be invited. Anyway, should we stop blathering and stop. Yes. Okay. Bye, everybody. Thank bye. you. Bye. Bye. I think it's bye. Thanks for coming. Bye. 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 Are
2: you not entertained?